0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen and cared for. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. We hope you are reminded that you have sisters out here who silently walk beside you in solidarity. Most importantly though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. I'm really excited about today's episode because I just know that it will bless you. Today, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, mentor, and pastor, Jim Ladd. Jim was someone who I knew only from the pews on Sunday morning before crisis hit our family. Throughout this journey, he was pivotal in helping me lean into my faith and the belief that God truly could use all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. My prayer for you today is that as we speak, you will lean into this conversation the same way. Hi, Jim. How are you?
1: Hi, Angie. I'm doing great. It is good to good to see you and talk to you.
0: So what the listeners don't know a little bit about this backstory <laughs> is that we have had a heck of a time trying to get this podcast episode recorded. So I am extra thankful (laughs) (laughs) to you for taking the time to be here. And um, it just means so much that you are willing to um, have this conversation and offer our community some different perspectives on how to view the challenges that we are facing in real time. Mm-hmm. So let's start off, um, if it's okay with you, by you just introducing yourself a little bit to our audience.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm super excited about this too. and you know, one of it just popped in my head as you were saying that that our most difficult, panicky, terrifying crisis moments are actually extremely fertile for the activity of God. We rarely, are aware of him or lean into him as much as we can and do in those moments so uh what what is on the surface and even deeper than the surface a terrifying and horrific thing you would never seek on your own turns out by god's grace to be just an incredible opportunity to experience the miraculous and i think that's true um and i know that's god's heart for us um so that's my prayer I'm, I'm uh, 60 years old. I have a wife, Sue, we will be married in, uh, in May, we will be 38 years. We have five adult children and um, we have uh, three grandkids. And uh, well, I was just sitting there going, man, I, I want more. And, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have five and five? But uh, I have a granddaughter that's actually 18 years old. And then I have um, three grandkids that are, you know, between five and and one. So um, none of them live in the state with us, our grandkids. Well, my oldest granddaughter is actually living with us right now for a season. Um, yeah, that, that's us. I pastor Evergreen Christian Community Church in Olympia. I've been there almost, I've been there 11 and a half years and, uh, wow, and yeah. really love it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I think it helps our community to just know um, a little bit about you and to connect with you on that level. So thanks for sharing that information about yourself and to know that like you're a parent also who's, you know, experienced bumps along the way, I'm sure. Oh
1: yeah. Well, and that's really important to, to hear right off the bat is I believe parenting is a guaranteed path to feel like a failure. And So I certainly have my shares of regrets in my parenting journey, wishes. I I wish I had do-overs and being older. I also see how things that were terrifying, particularly with one of my kids, Mm -hmm. uh, actually two of them where I thought we may never have a relationship again. Uh, We are best of friends uh, to this day. So it's a long game. One of the things I used to go into an identity crisis about my parenting when my kids were little and I finally made a decision. I will not evaluate my success or failure as a parent until my grandchildren are all adults. Then I will say, okay, now let's evaluate because everything changes so fast And that, uh, that dad of the year or that uh, granddad of the year trophy, it's a traveling trophy. You don't get to hold on to it very long. It's
0: true. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's just moments and then it's yeah, whisked out of your hand again. Yeah. 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 Well, um, an area of struggle, I think that uh, parents who are in a situation like ours navigate is um Like when they're having, when they have a child who's been charged with a crime, Mm -hmm. is that we can get stuck in this cycle of reactivity. And that's kind of one of the first conversations that I wanted to have with you. So um, let me explain that just a little bit. I think that sometimes, like when we're in this experience, there's so much that's going on around outside of us that sometimes it feels like our own like emotions and well being become like entirely dependent on what's happening around us. One of the things I struggled with, and a lot of parents that I meet also struggle with is navigating through all of the feelings that having a child in the system brings up. And there are so many feelings. So I wondered if you might share your perspective on how parents can continue to be loving while battling some genuine feelings of anger and disappointment towards their child and and the situation that they're in.
1: Yeah, you know, um, one of the problems with all those feelings is that many of them are contradictory to each other. So you have, you have um, just deep disappointment that how is this happening in my family? You have anger, you know, of what the kid has brought into your family and what they're doing to you. You have shame and embarrassment, and you also have empathy as you watch your kid locked up or you watch them go through what they're going through. Your heart breaks for them. So. A lot of those emotions are contradictory to each other. And so they're really hard to calibrate. And um, I think it's like, uh, you know, if you ever watch any videos, I was an air traffic controller for uh, a while. And so I, I love aviation. I took flying lessons. And when an airplane loses control in the air and it's it's spiraling toward the ground, the, the pilot has one objective, and that is to level off the aircraft, and then we can start solving the problems. So I think that's true for this scenario. Everything's tumbling, spinning, uh, chaotic, panicky, urgent, everything's urgent. Uh, And so the first thing to do is just get that thing leveled off, and then start solving problems. I think of things like uh, short term emergency, stop the bleeding, and then long term strategies Mm -hmm. for the long game. And I think I find it helpful to think that way, too. So for me, I I think uh, getting yourself calm, uh, recognizing the world's not ending tomorrow. Uh, This is not uh, this, you know, this is going to be a long process. Unfortunately, the legal system takes Mm -hmm. forever. So uh, so calming down, I think self-care, you know, becomes a really urgent need, because if you don't if you don't calibrate yourself. You're no help. You're, you're actually part right. of the triage. So it's kind of like the firefighter. You've got to jump in and start fighting the fire. You can worry about yourself later is what it feels like. But you need enough self-awareness that you can actually fight the fire effectively. So one of the fascinating things about our bodies is when you feel threatened, um, when you feel unsafe, when you feel anxious, your yeah. physiology starts changing. And your body starts sending, uh, adrenaline. It starts sending blood flow, preparing you to fight or flight. And what that means is less blood and oxygen are actually going Mm -hmm. to your brain. So your body sabotages you from effective brain. use. So I think that, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is you got to calm down. You got to get this thing level and start thinking. And so I think about getting outside taking walks uh, making sure you eat um taking uh, good nutrition like not red bulls and mm-hmm. you know and coffee all the time those kind of things and then um immediately searching for a a buddy yeah because the you know the, I'm I'm talking way too much here but this is just so important uh when when the navy seals train mm-hmm. they have a buddy and they never leave their buddy. And if I could give one gift to every parent who's going through this, it would be one of those buddies. Yeah, That's why what you're doing is so powerful is because you can be a, these tools can be a virtual buddy. These resources can help them feel not alone. And then actually connecting with other human beings. It's just so, so critical.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Everything that you said, I think about just operating out of that fight or flight um, scenario, I think that all of the parents who are in this, in this fight right now, they, they recognize that there's this constant, Uh um, spinning that occurs kind of in your mind where you're like, I need to fix it. I need to fix it. I need to fix it. And how, and so when, when you get to a place where you can take a breath and calm down and really like you're regulating your nervous system during that process. And mm-hmm. you're allowing the, the blood to flow back to your brain and to be able to think logically
1: through yeah. the
0: scenario once, once somebody has kind of developed or worked on, I guess, establishing a pattern of being able to do that. And they're still at a place where they're like, okay, I feel like now I'm, I have a better grip on my, my own emotional regulation, Uh uh but I'm still really struggling with how to um, be kind and loving towards my child because I'm, I'm angry and I'm upset or I'm scared. And, you know, and so, um, my, the way that that's manifesting in my relationship with them is through disappointment and, you know, and anger because, because I'm fearful of what's taking place. Can you kind of give us a, a different mindset to operate out of when we're in that space?
1: Yeah, I have two, two predominant thoughts, uh, hearing that question. One is this is the same reason it's so hard on marriages because both spouses are feeling a ton of conflicting emotions. And if you don't calibrate, you start saying things you shouldn't say and reacting, you know, reacting is never good. Choosing um, in in England, if you go to London and you get on the train, this voice always says at every stop, mind the gap because there's a gap between the car and the landing. And they want you to make sure you step over that. And you have to, you know, we are the animals that God gave the, the gift of stimulus gap response. Mm-hmm. But if you don't mind that gap, if you don't use the gap and you just go stimulus response, yeah, uh, it's not going to go well. So really what you're talking about is how do I use that gap? How do I, how do I, I have this stimuli? I, I am, I'm angry. I am hurt. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to tell my friends. I feel like now you put a barrier between me and my friends. You put a barrier between me if you're if you're a church person. i I, I can't say this at church. Uh, people who read the papers, who read the police blotter, you know, you have just you know, so you have this all this stimuli. Mm-hmm. and if you don't make a gap and choose your response, you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. So uh, for me, I think one of the beautiful uh, gifts is a a, a compass. Uh, I think of the idea of true North, you know, a compass always points North because there is a true North out there. And if you have a true North that can guide you, and this is why for, I know for you and for me, our faith is so important because the the question you want to ask is what's the right thing to do. And if Mm -hmm. you have a deep conviction about the right thing to do, then it will help you overrule your emotions and do the right thing. And sometimes you're faking it till you make it because you know it's the right thing to do, even though all of your feelings scream otherwise. It's really helpful if you can have a deep conviction about what's the right thing to do here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. In our conversation, when we sat down and did a little pre-interview, you talked about differentiating our experiences that we're having as a parent with our child's experiences. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, Henry Cloud has this uh, four four skills of mental health. And the first one is the ability to connect to it meaningfully to another human being. We come out of the womb looking, you know, where, where's mom? You know, where's where's my person? And so the ability to connect to another human being, it, it, it affects neural function. I mean, it's powerful, but the second skill is the ability to disconnect mm-hmm. and to differentiate from my people. Yeah. So, uh, this is where, uh, it gets hard. Cause I either don't have a skill to actually connect with people. I'm too walled off or whatever, or I get lost in people and they yeah. now have the power to define my identity. And if they, if they mess up my world, it's their fault and they define me. And that's never a place to be. Uh, Ultimately, I think we were made by God where only God and me define me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, then I have the power by this uh, internal locus of control is what psychologists call it. And so if I give my kid my whole world, then that kid now, has the controls. It's like, they've got a remote control to my soul and they can make me happy. They can make me miserable. They can define me. And it's a terrible place to be. And it's a terrible place for the kid to be. So this is also part of parenting is helping our kids not find their identity outside themselves Uh, as they mature. You know, there's a process to that because when you're babies and toddlers, you, you absolutely do. But uh, so when you're going through this kind of complicated process, you it's really important to keep yourself separate from your kid. I'm having my experience. They're having theirs. I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible to my child, but I'm not responsible for my child, depending on, again on their age and mental capacity, et cetera. So um, let's say, for example, we're talking about 15, 16 year olds then they have a level of maturity and a level of personal responsibility. And it would be wrong for you to take that from them or to take responsibility for it. So I find that to be really helpful is to say, hey, what's my lane here? What am I responsible for? And what am I responsible to? Um, And that just helps you kind of keep the lane clear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it kind of, it, it clears up because those waters get so muddied, right? Like, man, they get so muddied. And so like being able to, to kind of step back and, and think about like, what, okay, what is truly my responsibility here? And what is their responsibility here? I, I feel like it, it sets you up to be in a place where, you can allow for more grace where the relationship is less likely to be damaged as a result of it, because you're not trying to take complete control over a situation and make it your problem. You know, you're, you're allowing the experiences to be separate. And I, and I understand easier said than done when you're in the throes of it for sure. Well,
1: and the reason it's hard is because we're all control freaks. Now, this is really, this is fascinating to me because I would have said A control freak is a person who must control every detail. But the reality about all human beings is we exert the level of control that comforts us. Mm
0: -hmm. So for
1: some people, they have to control everything or else they have anxiety. Yeah. On the exact opposite end of the spectrum are people who need to have no control. That way they can say, it's not my fault. Right. It is your fault. It's the world's fault. They will take no control so that they have no responsibility. And and we're all somewhere on that spectrum and being aware of your compulsion, being aware of the level of control you need, and then calibrating that so that you actually don't allow that to own you, but you steward it better. I had a, there's a psychologist, I don't know his name, but I heard from a client of his this incredible idea that that the difference between um, supporting someone and he uses the phrase help but I I think it helps it helps me to understand that phrase as uh enable or yeah um so you know everyone has to carry their own load Mm -hmm. and it's wrong for me to carry your load it's better for me to open a door for you while you carry your load or cheer you on while you carry your load but I cannot must not and should not carry that load for you.
0: Yeah, that's really good. What would you say is a parent's most important job while having a child in crisis? So there's, I think, I and here's where the question kind of comes from. For me, it's like, I think that we can get stuck in this place of like, what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. What do I do next? You know, like, and, and, what we tend to do is focus all of our attention on um, creating barricades and blockades and 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 c- controlling the environment around yeah. us as much yeah. as possible which is futile it just it just never works because kids who are headed down the path are headed down that path no matter what obstacle yeah. you know we, we place in front of them. So then the question that comes up for parents is, okay, well, if my job is not to Mm -hmm. protect and, and, you know, corral, then, then what is, what, what should I be focusing on? What is my most important job? So do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that is a, that is a great question. I think it's helpful to remember that control is an illusion so you really don't have the power to do what you're tempted to do, which is to fix everything or to control everything or to make it all right. You don't have that power. Um, the two things that come to my mind first are uh, your, your primary role is to keep the relationship connected. So in, in the best way to do that that I have found is to let the kid determine your role. So uh, because if you try to take a role they do not want you to have, if you try to put yourself in places they do not want you, it is not helpful. And so the worst thing that could happen is that the relationship ends. So you want to keep the relationship. So, uh, and, and again, I could be, I, this is where I have to say, I could be dead wrong here, but this is the priority I choose.
0: Yeah. If
1: I lose the relationship, I lose any influence.
0: Right. So for
1: me, preserving the relationship is the highest priority. And the only one, the only way to know how to do that is to get feedback from the kid. How would you like our relationship to operate right now? Where do you want me in your life? I don't want to invade a space that is yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neither do I want to sit here and uh, neglect caring for you in a way that you're really wishing I would. Right. So help me know how I can make our relationship what you need it to be, because I want relationship with you more than anything else. There's a book called mentoring it's the bible of of mentoring by a guy named bob beal and the opening uh paragraph of the first chapter says imagine if when you were 14 years old or 15 years old some adult you admire said to you uh, i see greatness in you and i would like to be a part of your life for the rest of your life and whether you end up in the white house the penthouse the jailhouse the poorhouse or the outhouse I want to be a part of your life for the rest of it. You yeah. know, that's a difference maker. Right. And that's really what you want to say to your kid. Listen, wherever this goes, yeah, I'm your person for the rest of your life. How do you want me to play that role right now for you? What do you need from me? How can I stay connected to you? So I, I think that would be the highest priority. That way you stay in your lane. They can, and, and if your kid says, well, I need you to go solve all my problems. Well, that I cannot do. That's where you may have to say, Well, I can't do that part that you want me to do because you have to do it. You're going to have to learn to crawl. You're going to have to learn to walk, and I can't do it for you because that would actually hurt you. Yeah. So, but that's the first conversation. The second one is just to keep them from despair because uh, you want to keep them from wanting to dive into addiction, to end their own life. So, for me, the second thing, the first is keep the relationship. And the second is, keep giving them hope not false hope not artificial hope not fluffy meaningless hope yeah but but saying hey tomorrow's another day just let's just make it to tomorrow yeah and uh, there's going to be a day where this is in the rearview mirror you can't imagine that now but it's going to happen um and just keeping them hopeful
0: yeah that's really good thank you i appreciate i appreciate those two things i feel like that that gives that gives me and our listeners an opportunity to, to begin to implement something like right away and to, to have something to focus on. I think sometimes what happens is when our teenagers are going through whatever it is they're going through that, that landed them in the situation that they're in right now, even if they're acting like they don't care, they're aloof, it doesn't matter. Everything about this situation, especially involving the legal system, is speaking a message to them about who they are. And so they're being defined also by, um, you know, by people at school, by classmates, by teachers, by, you know, so there's there's a new lens through which people are looking at that person. Uh And so even if they try to act like that doesn't affect them or bother them or that they don't care. I, I think that's just not true. And so it's so powerful to be able to, in that moment, be a voice of encouragement for that child and just to let them know that you never stop believing in the fact mm-hmm. that they are capable of more mm-hmm. and that they that they can be more than they are in this moment and just really reinforcing that and and the good in them, taking those yeah. opportunities to see that.
1: Yeah, and that this moment is just that. It's a moment. It's not your whole life. It's a moment. The thing is, you know, they're in this adolescent phase where they are finding a ton of their sense of self from the opinions of their peers. Yeah. And now their peers are all at school while they're incarcerated Mm -hmm. talking about them,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: guessing what they did, you know, who knows what rumors might fly. Yeah. And that is horrifying to that kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's really important uh, to keep, keep them believing they're going to be okay.
0: Man, that's good. I'm thinking for our listeners who, who have a practice of faith, is there um, an example in God's love for us that would kind of help us to cement this idea of appropriate expectations as a parent, like Mm. in the way that God loves us? Is there an example in that that we can kind of center ourselves around?
1: Well, I think he's the, he's the ultimate example of differentiation. Mm-hmm. God has never allowed himself to be defined by the behavior of his children. Right. Uh, he's, he's the ultimately differentiated. He is immovable. He is always the same. He is the constant. And so that's a great inspiration to help us be the constant for our kids because something i need something to be fixed in this world the whole thing's spinning yeah and so uh, he does love us that way when yeah. you know you think of the rich young ruler when he's he says what must i do you know to have eternal life and he tells him to obey these commands he says well i've been doing that he says well here's the one thing you lack you you're just consumed with wealth so sell everything you have give to the poor and follow me and the guy walks away very sad mm. and jesus does not chase him yeah He gives him room to be him. And the thing about God that continues to blow my mind is he gives you so much space to Mm self-define while he never stops loving you. Yeah, that is such a powerful thing
0: for sure, but it's so
1: hard to do because I want to define you. I want to control you. I want to make you who I want you to be. And man, he just lets you self-define because he knows that your love for him is not real unless you choose it. Mm -hmm. And who you are is not real unless you choose it. Yeah. So it's the ultimate expression of love and freedom, but man, it's really hard to, to, uh, to take his role in that, in that to work, you know, with another person.
0: Yeah. What a powerful though, just visual and reminder, I think of what that looks like. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Uh, Listen, I am so grateful for this opportunity to sit down and talk with you today. And it feels like no matter how long we talk, I always wish I had more time with you. So would you be willing to keep this going for one more topic and we can make this a two-part episode? Sure, let's do it. You're awesome. So friends, that will wrap it up for this week's episode. I hope that this episode served you today. I encourage you to listen to it again and write down some things that really stood out to you that you would like to work on this week and be intentional about beginning to take the steps towards creating the changes you would really like to see in your life. You can also look for this episode's Digging Deeper post on Facebook, and that will give you some additional ways to further cement these concepts into your daily routines. And finally, be sure to listen to part two of this podcast where Jim and I talk about the difference between protecting our children and equipping them. This is one of my all-time favorite conversations to have with him, and I always walk away with a feeling of realignment to what's really important. If you're a mom who struggles with knowing when to get involved and when not to, or how to appropriately respond to situations without rescuing or giving in, you will not want to miss this. Thanks again, Jim. Thank you. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding i really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today if you did could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing you know how lonely this journey can be and when you leave positive reviews and subscribe it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us oh and don't forget to check out pathways to hope networks website the link will always be in the show notes below where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You also receive access to our closed Facebook group community, where we break down this podcast even deeper. Just a reminder, our closed group is a small group of parents just like you that understands what it's like to have a child going through the juvenile justice system. Take advantage of this opportunity to be part of a safe space where families can come together to talk about their struggles, help answer questions, and provide judgment-free encouragement. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where we post five days a week, posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.